Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The call to you today would be to say, wow, God, as I'm reading your words, I was taught the word today, I see that there are things in my life that don't line up with you and I want to be right with you. And I know that you'll forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died on the cross to forgive me. And I want that forgiveness and I want to be right with you. And I would invite you to come to the Lord who is merciful and gracious and ask for forgiveness, which he will give. He's already told us up front he will forgive us and ask him to give you strength to move forward. God, give me strength to walk in obedience from here. Do you sometimes feel like the journey of faith can be a hard one? Today, you learn from Pastor Bill's message to ask the Lord for the help that you need. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. What strength, insight, or discernment do you need from the Lord? Ask Him for it. Pastor Bill encourages you to take the time you need each day to sit with the Lord. Tell Him your cares and troubles. Sit with Him long enough to hear His still, small voice speak and comfort your conflicted heart. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You can look this up. This is, these are not my words. You go home and do your own research. Go Google it, right? Pharmacia, illicit drugs, drugs that impact your mind. Marijuana is on the list. Marijuana impacts the way you think. And so that's why people smoke it. It, it feels good. They get high. Um, it, it impacts your mind. Here's what people don't understand with that. Drugs are a gateway into the demonic realms, some more so than others. And so you look at their higher levels of illicit drugs. You know, marijuana has for a long time been looked at as it's just kind of just low. You know, you just get you get high, just get relaxed. You know, it's not really a big deal. Crack is a big deal. You know, heroin, that's no, you know, speed. Those are real drugs. Marijuana is just like, you know, it just that's it's an herb. God made it. <laughs> did God make cocaine? He did. Not for you to smoke it, but he made it. But if you smoke it, will you be out of your mind and out of your money and out of your house and out of your car and you'd be out of everything, right? That's what happened if you smoke it. Um, so God made marijuana. All these things have some genuine, some purpose, uh, not all of which is for us to smoke them. And so here's the deal with uh, marijuana, drugs, so forth and so on. I'm speaking on marijuana because I think that one's... I don't think anybody would argue with me. I've never had somebody say, I think you could smoke crack and it'd be all right. I, but I have had countless people with this marijuana thing. And so it, it impacts your mind. You become addicted to it. You smoke weed long enough, you'll be addicted. How do you know, Pastor? I used to be the weed man. So I watched people graduate from stress to back in my day, it was chronic. Um, I watched kids in high school pawn their class rings and their jewelry and steal from their moms just to get some weed. That's addiction. Now, I, didn't, I wasn't saved then, don't judge me, but I watched it. And having grown up from there, I've watched people that, man, they were on weed then, then they graduated to this later. Um, it's progressive. You got addicted to getting high on marijuana, but then at some point, through that addiction to getting high, you get high on something else. Because um, now you're in a realm where you don't belong. As a child of God, God would say, no, I want your mind. Satan wants what God wants. Satan wants everything that belongs to God. He wants to, God wants to fill you with his spirit to possess your life for good. Satan's like, I want to move in. 
I want to possess your life. I want to take God says, I want to transform your mind. I want to renew your mind through the word of God and through the spirit. Satan says, I want to take over that mind. Smoke this. Smoke this and you, you, you'll lose your mind momentarily. Smoke this and while under the influence of that, you won't do what you would do in your right mind because it's given over to something else. That's why if you get pulled over high or drunk, what do you get? A DUI driving under the influence of what? Something that's not God. Something that's not God. That's what you're under the influence of. And so um, it's interesting to me that it's, it's linked up with witchcraft because it does. It is a gateway. It is an open door. How does a person get possessed? How does a person, how does that kind of interaction even take place? You mess around with drugs long enough, you're going to start seeing things. You're going to have experiences. You're going to have things take place. You're going to have weird scenarios. And that's what's going to happen. That's what takes place. I have personally witnessed. I personally know individuals that these things have gone. I've watched it happen. And so I don't think that that's the scariest thing to me is this. To give my mind or give anything over to the enemy, the one that hates me, the one that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, to give him an advantage in my life, where now I'm addicted to something that takes me out of a right mind. So now, and then again, it's like, then what do I have to do to keep getting what I'm addicted to to stay in my right mind? Now I got to be around other people that are in the same place. So I don't feel bad about my life. Next, it's like further, Satan got you first. First, I have you doing the wrong thing. Then I have you in, in a wrong place in your mind. Now I have you with the wrong people. And you're further and further and further away from what God wants for your life until he finishes you off and destroys you or uses you to destroy other people. And so um, I love y'all. I really do. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about this because I, when you see the ruined lives, ruined families, broken hearts, funerals, you know, the first funeral I did was for a 17 year old boy. And this is what happened. He was on a worship team at the church I was pastoring. He had got saved in ninth grade. Uh, came to the church when he got saved his testimony was he was running around with the skater kid smoking pot gave his life to the Lord uh, watched him come along was doing great blah 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 he met a girl you know she kind of stole his heart as he was hanging out with this girl her circle of people smoked weed he got back into that fell away boom ninth grade was doing awesome tenth grade serving God uh, somewhere between tenth and eleventh grade boom with this girl Smoking weed led him to hanging out with another group of kids. By the time I saw him again, he was on heroin. He came up to the church and me and the other guy that was his pastor, James, he came up there and you could look at him like he was a wrestler. So he was all ripped and cut. And then I looked at him. He just looked scrawny. His hair was all long. He looked like he didn't care about himself. And he walked up and I just hugged him. I said, dude, what is going on? And he's like, man, I've been messing up. I smoked. I mean, I've been shooting up heroin. This, that, and I said, look, let us. We got a home. We can we can take you to a place today. Let us put you in this place. Let's let's do it now. You're here now. Let's take you today. He was like, no, nah, I, I promise I'm working with my dad for the rest of the week. I'll come Sunday. And I was like, man, your dad will understand. Let's do it now. And he said, no, nah, I, I want to work the rest of the week. He wanted to work and get his paycheck. He worked. He got his paycheck that Friday. He went and bought whatever. He went and scored some heroin. He went back to his dad's house and I got a call from his dad. This kid is in the shower, dead, OD. And I did his funeral. And that may have been the meanest funeral I've ever done because I'm in the funeral where you know where he got his first heroin from? The person that was crying the loudest and kissing his corpse, his mother. She was there. But then all the, it was rows of all his little friends that he was doing this with, all right there. And I was, I mean, one, I'm heartbroken because I know the kid. And I'm thinking, man, this went from weed to heroin to this. Boom. 
And I'm looking at a room full of kids that I know are still doing it, probably have some on them. And I laid into them um, in, in a godly way. But I'm like, man, this is, I want to bring it to the altar. Throw it down. Don't cry. Don't cry and then go out and get high. Y'all, you need, everybody here that want to go to a program, we got a program, you know. So that's why I'm impassioned about this. I've seen the devastation. It robs kids of parents, parents of kids. Everybody loses in the exchange. And so um, he says, look, if that's a, and then if you're here today and you say, this is, this is a way of life for me, then today you need to hear that you, not, not if you're a Christian, you're not getting high every day and you're a Christian. You're not. You know why? Because the spirit of God would never lead you to do that. He would lead you to stop that. That's why you hide it. That's why everybody can't know about it. That's why you don't have to hide anything that the spirit leads you to do. Spirit lead me to, to read my Bible. Do I got to hide it? No, I read that bad boy. Read it with me if you want to. You know, if you know, you know, the spirit of God will never lead you in that way. So we got to move on. The next one is hatred. Feelings of malice toward other individuals. And um, as a person that's led of the spirit, would God ever lead you to hate someone? Hatred. We always say about hate. That's a strong word. It is. If you're a Christian, you hate people. I hate her. I hate him. You know, they did this to me. I hate him. You can't be that way. You could be unhappy with a person. You could not like what someone's done, but hatred. Um, it's, it's, that's malicious. Hatred is the foundation for what? Murder. Murder. Right. That's the foundation for murder is hatred. And so if you're in a place where you feel that strongly negatively about someone, you want to say, Lord, this is this is not what you want from me. This is not I'm not being led by the spirit to feel this way towards other people. The spirit will lead you to forgive, to let go. You may have to distance yourself from certain difficult people, but not to hate them. And so hatred is a, another manifestation, an evident uh, work of the flesh. Contentions. Um, discord, argumentative. If this is your manner of life, if you're just a, a you just got discord and arguments everywhere you go, that's that's a work of the flesh. That's an outworking of a person that is in the flesh. And so that's you, right? That's your personality. Everywhere you go, you argue with them, fighting with them, contentions with them. You need to deal with that. That's that's not okay. That's not a that's not a fruit of the spirit, right? Next one, jealousies. This is uh, distrust and suspicions. Um, jealous of other people's different than envy, you know, jealousies. It's, it's just being suspicious and distrusting of, of everybody, you know, jealousies, you know, believing that people's motives are. These are people that judge everybody's motives when they don't know. Them, you know, I bet they did that because of this. Really? How do you know that? Where'd that come from? You know what? You know what the Bible says? Love does what? Love believes the best about people. You have to prove me wrong. Um, that's what the spirit would lead me to. The spirit would lead me to write off. You know what? I, I'm not going to I'm not going to fill in the blanks with a negative. I'm not going to judge you in an error, in a, in a, in a way of error. I'm going to believe the best about you unless you show me otherwise. That's what the spirit would lead. The flesh, flesh will write a book with what's not there. I bet the reason that they didn't come to this is because they was mad because last time when they walked by and I said this, they probably didn't like it. And then, you know, I probably because they were talking to their spouse and they don't like it. And then they both don't like me. And so now you, you there are people that do this. And then they start behaving a certain way based on what they built up in their mind. And it's like, man, you, you, that's the, <laughs> that is the flesh just having its way. If that is you, I love you, but you got to cut that out. That is, that, that is just ruin every relationship. You're going to have bad relationships everywhere you go if you do that. So outbursts of wrath. This is hot anger or passionate outbursts of wrath. If you're a person that blows up, 
Just you get upset and just boom, you blow up all over people, outbursts of wrath, you fighting everybody, yelling and screaming, cussing and fussing. You know, you got a, a hair trigger temper or whatever they all those different ways they call it. Outburst of wrath. If your wrath is outbursting, that's that's a man of God bless you like that. Like that's need. Your wrath is going like that. That is a as a manifestation of the flesh. It's out of control. Right. Everybody gets mad. Everybody in the room gets angry. Even Jesus got angry. What if Jesus had had an outburst of wrath? How many dead people would there be? All the Pharisees would just, if I, Jesus had an outburst of wrath, they just, oh man, I got in the flesh, they all died. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Father. You know, that's what would have happened. They'd all be dead, you know? Outburst of wrath is another outward manifestation of the flesh. Selfish ambition. These are self centered strivings to be number one, even at others' expense. It's a self centered striving to be number one even at others' expense. That is selfish ambition. We see it in the world where people step over one another to get to the top. Um, God says the spirit would never lead you to be to have selfish ambition. I don't have to put you down to build me up in the kingdom of God. I can build you up. I'm, I'm the best me possible while I build you up. I'm the, best, I'm the best version of me spiritually as I'm helping other people come up higher and go further. I'm never to be in a place where in order for me to feel good about me, I got to put you down. In order for me to arrive, I got to diminish you somehow. Um, and in order for me to get ahead, I got to stomp on your neck. That's selfish ambition. Uh, God hates that. That's part of what got Satan booted from, from his place. He wanted more than what he had. And so next, dissensions. These are separations caused by disagreements. You look at this and think, wow, that's a, that's a work of the flesh. Yes, and, and some people's lives are patterned like this. Some people's lives are patterned in such a way where every time something happens, they don't disagree. They, I disagree. I'm leaving. Separating. I disagree with that. Boom. I'm out of here. I heard a message recently that was like, it was, it was showing the weakness of, you know, the current church in America. And they were comparing it to the, to the church of the earlier century, the churches that were under persecution and just how the churches at that point, they were under the threat of death, how they were knit together, how they were. They understood that their commitment to Christ could cost them their life. And they said, do you think in a con congregation of people that were living under that kind of duress, that were praying together, believing God together, going to the word together, that if there was some disagreement, you didn't leave the church. It was your family. You stayed. If there was some, I don't like how they said this about me. You know, you didn't. They didn't have that. They were, they were, they were knit together on things that were so much stronger. The American church culture is weakened, where people come in. And it's like, never mind my commitment to Jesus, my commitment to be a part of the body, my commitment to what I'm called to do in the church. I don't like how that person said that to me, or looked at me, or treated me. So I'm leaving, taking my gifts with me, and I'm going to go do it again. So, and some people have been doing that their whole supposed Christian experience. That's not God. You got to plug in somewhere and be a part of the body. There is no perfect group anywhere. It's been said many times. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. So no longer be perfect when you get there. So there is no perfect church. So uh, that's dissensions. Next, heresies. Um, heresies, false teachings. These are sects or groups formed by self-willed men. Heresies are created by men who want to be the first person to find something. They want to be deep. 
And they want to be the ones that say, yeah, I was, I was alone by the tree. And the Lord came to me person, to me, not to you, not to anybody else in history. He came to me and he told me this. And I wrote it in a book that I'm selling for $49.99. And you can be a part of my ministry. That's how heresies get started. Heresies are almost always started by men that are really rooted in pride. They want to be something special. They want to have special revelation. God told me something special. Doesn't the Bible tell us that there is no special revelation? Don't nobody have nothing special, you It's been said, if it's new, it is not true. And if it is true, it is not new. If I study my Bible right, I'm not going to come up with something that somebody else hasn't come up with already. I may, I may discover something that's new to me, but it's not going to be new. Somebody of some former century studied it and found it already. I'm just catching up. But I'm not going to find new information. I'm not going to get a new, guys, I got a new doctrine. Oh, I had a guy hit me up on Facebook. He's like, I have a new doctrine. He wanted to have a discussion. I said, well, I'm not even, I don't even want to have the foolish discussion with you, man. You go on with your new doctrine. Uh, I'm not interested, you know. There, but that's where heresies come from. And it usually draws people to a person. Heresies don't usually draw you to Jesus. They draw you to a person. They draw you to a group. But they don't draw you to Christ. So heresies. Um, which, again, is on the, the list of the works of the flesh. So the men that teach heresies, I had someone ask me that. Well, you think the guys that are teaching this are going to heaven? According to this list, no. No, they're dead wrong. And they're going to be in the hotter place in hell because they haven't just been wrong for themselves. They've led other people with them. And so it, it is important for those that teach to, to have integrity about how you study and how you come to conclusions that you're going to tell other people. Um, because if you're wrong, and if you're wrong, that's wrong. You're wrong. But if you're wrong and you teach other people, um, you've wronged other people and God will hold you accountable for that. Envy, displeasure at the success or prosperity of others. And so if you're one that looks at other people, you know, our culture, we call them a hater. And if you look at other people and we're like, you know, they're they're, they're They have something that you wish that you had and you're upset. Um, why did they get that? How do they get that car? They got a new house. Praise the Lord for them. They don't even do what I do. You know, that's envy. And, you know, some people can genuinely rejoice. Some people are genuinely happy when other people are blessed or prosper. Um, that really should be the heart of the believer that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. But there are people um, that it's not a work of the spirit, but their, their flesh manifests itself and they're they're very upset at the prosperity or blessings of other people. Um, that is envy. Uh, that is a work of the flesh. That is wrong. And so moving on, it says murders. Uh, this is the unlawful killing of other people. Uh, I should note murder is, is not someone goes to war and they're killing. That's not murder. Uh, someone's a, a law enforcement officer and in, in a right way for a right cause, they have to kill someone in the line of duty. That's not murder. Um, yeah, I've made specifications because I know that you can murder from that place as well. You can use your authority and position to kill or to murder in a wrong way. There, it happens both ways. And so typically murder is something that's born out of hatred. I hate you. Therefore, I killed you. I'm upset with you. I'm angry with you. Murder is it's born in the heart. Hatred, anger results in murders. But if that's some, someone that does that, I hope there's none of y'all here to do that as a lifestyle. If you are, let me know. I know another church <laughs> take you and no, I'm just kidding so <laughs> drunkenness is and it refers to intoxication caused by the consumption of alcohol drunkenness um, someone that's drunk as a 
a way of life, you get drunk. You're not going to heaven. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's what drunkenness is. Um, this one's touchy because, you know, people like to look at the, the extent of the liberty. As a Christian, it is not wrong to have a drink. That's true. Bible says it's wrong. The sin is getting drunk. And so that window, at what point are we drunk? You know, I'm explaining to you biblically. You are drunk when former alcoholic, so I know what I'm talking about. The point at which my mind is altered. So the point at which I'm drunk, I got a buzz. I feel different. Now I'm intoxicated with alcohol. Alcohol has intoxicated me. The same things that we said about pharmacia, true about alcohol. Now my mind's in a different place, given over. Now you can go further and further and further, right? You can get a little bit high or you can get really, really, really stupid high. You can get a buzz, you know, a, a manageable level of, you know, intoxication and you can get sloppy, goofy, fall on the floor drunk, right? Where's the, where's the wall at? The wall, where, where's the, where is it at with the Lord? God's anything that you take in, when your mind is altered by something that you consume, you're outside of the space that I want you to be living as a believer. If you do this as a way of life, as when I come home, this is how I relax. I do this every day. You're not saved. You get drunk on a regular basis. You live like that on a regular basis. You are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. You need to find a new way to relax that doesn't intoxicate your mind. Find some other way. Find some other thing. But this is what the Bible is saying. And so rival, revel, revelries, this is riotous gatherings for entertainment accompanied by drunkenness. This would be what we would call parties. You know, um, parties are, you know, this is, this is an exact definition of, of parties from what I remember. You know, parties where, you know, euphoric, there's music, dancing, ah, and drunk and high and everything else that comes with that. Um, that's revelries. If that's something you do, I can't wait till Friday. Woo you know, and if you drag in here Sunday after Friday and Saturday party and you're like, if that's a way of life. Partying, drunkenness, ah, um, God would say that's just not consistent with. These are all things that the spirit of God would not lead you to do. Shouldn't be the lifestyle of the believer. Next, um, he says this at the end. He says, and the like, right? Because there's some smart aleck reading this saying, ah, 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 my my one particular thing wasn't listed. <laughs> he says, and the like. So if that's you and anything like this stuff, this is what he says. And these are heavy words of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If as we go through this list, you say, man, that you have described me. This is not to put you down, but that would never be the goal here. There's no there's no upside in, in, in us or me making someone feel poorly about their life. What God does in the scriptures is reveal truth that we can see where we really are, that we can respond to what he shows us. And so if I read through the list and say, well, that, that really describes my life before Christ, but that doesn't describe me today. Praise God. Praise God. There's been a transformation. Things have moved in a, in a right direction. But if you read this list and say, no, this is. Some of these things are this is how I live today as a as a way of life. Then the call for you today would be to repent. The call to you today would be to say, wow, God, I'm, as I'm reading your words, I was taught the word today. I see that there are things in my life that don't line up with you. And I want to be right with you. And I know that you'll forgive me. I know that your son, Jesus, died on the cross to forgive me. And I want that forgiveness. And I want to be right with you. And I would invite you to come to the Lord who is merciful and gracious and ask for forgiveness, which he will give. He's, he's already told us up front he will forgive us. 
and ask him to give you strength to move forward. God, give me strength to walk in obedience from here. I don't think that we're even willing to jump in the fight right until we know that, wow, this is what I'm fighting against. This is what I need to overcome. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Pastor Bill is going through the book of Galatians. Here, Paul lays out for us the transformation that happens in our lives when we die to sin and begin to live in the Spirit. In chapter 5, he tells us that the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He contrasts that with the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Quite the transformation, don't you agree? Here at A Transforming Word, we are committed to presenting the Word of God that transforms hearts and minds. And you can join us in that. You can find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. When you head over to calvaryinglewood.org, look for the link to give. Your support makes the ministry possible. Together, we can spread the word of God, which has the power to take lives dominated by the flesh and fill them with the life found in the fruit of the Spirit. If you were challenged or encouraged by today's message and you'd like to hear more, check out our mobile app. Think of all the messages you could listen to anytime and anywhere you bring your phone. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We've come to the end of our time together today. We're so glad you chose to join us in learning from the book of Galatians. Let's all continue the life of transformation next time on A Transforming Word.